0: Hi, and welcome to Driving Leadership. I'm David Foster. I'm Mike Metcalf, and I am Sean Pete. Today, we are discussing titles and leadership and a new format for us. So first, many of the people that we work with often don't have the formal or official power as a leader. And they wonder what they can do to help themselves, help others, or help the business get better. Others that we work with, they have the title, but sometimes they may struggle with enough influence to be able to make the changes and the progress that they want to make. So our topic tonight is why you don't need a title to be a leader. And as for the new format, we're going to try something different for this episode. Each of us will discuss our position or our thoughts on that question or that topic, and then take questions from the other two and we hope that you like the interchange the natural question that follows from our new format is who gets to go first is it based on looks intelligence charm influence and quite honestly we wrestled with this for a bit but then we just realized that no matter what the quality that we judge it on mike would go first So obviously Sean would go second and I would bring up the rear (laughs) and I'm hoping for a participation trophy.
1: Hey, fortune favors the brave, you know, just got to go for it. That's right. That's it.
0: Well, with that said, Mike, why don't you need a title to be a leader?
1: I think because titles can be a blessing or curse. They can be a multiplier or divider. Um, and Mm -hmm. And that choice is up to you as a leader, independent of that title. Um, and those are things that have nothing to do with your identity. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, titles can be good or bad. So if that is the case, you don't necessarily need that to be the leader that you think you should be or want to be.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, how do you, what, what is the big differentiator? When you say, you know, a title can be good or bad, what makes a title good? What makes a title bad?
1: Yeah, I think I think a a good a good title, you know, somebody that's done good things and is getting a promotion and figures that this increase in, in title and recognition is the opportunity to, to have a greater impact and continue doing those things, then that's a blessing. It can be a curse if you think that, oh, now I've made it, I can kinda coast a little bit or, you know, all those things that I was doing that got me to this point have got me to this point. I don't have to do those things anymore. I can do new things. I can they get a high level. I can retreat to my office. Um, oh, and I have this really cool office and a car. I make sure I show those off, make sure my prestige account is in a good, you know, good order, you know, so that I'm accurately reflecting, you know, where I am in life. Um, that can be a curse that can get you away from those things that help got you, you know, get you where you were. Uh, and then same thing with multiplier divider that could just be you can impact more people, you know. The, the higher uh, title you have, the more ability that you have to impact not just the people that work for you, but their partners and spouses and kids and future generations. Um, or it can be a divider and you can be the 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 CEO that only your board of directors gets time with you. You are always high level. You're in front of a laptop and that's it and you're process-driven, and that's all you care about, and, and bottom line, and you could completely lose your touch with, you know, the very people that you're leading. So that's kind of my opinion on it. That's just kind of some of the things that I've seen. I've seen people do that really well in promotions, and I've seen them do it
0: bad. So how would you talk to somebody who doesn't have the title that they feel like they need to do the thing that they're trying to do in the context of it can be a, a blessing or a curse.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's another thing, right? Like some people can, we all, we all know people that have were up for a promotion, didn't get it, and left the company or it sent them on a trajectory that would have been very different had they maybe received that promotion. Um, not taking that as a bad way. You know, sometimes people are, man, looking at the wrong things. You know, promotions come with title increases. They come with wage increases, stock options, more ownership, equity. These are all really good things, things that people work really, really hard for. I'm not saying don't pursue that. Like, don't 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 say, you know, hopefully you're not hearing that. What I am saying, though, is those things aren't requirements for you to be a good leader. Right. You can still show up each day as if you were the CEO. And that's one of the things I try to challenge people, you know, you're going to have these moments in life in your career, where things just do not go the way as planned. I was talking to a young lady today, who has just kind of had some struggles in her current uh, work environment. Like you don't need to go get your master's right now to be more impactful. You just have to continue showing Mm up and acting as if you can create the impact. Be confident in your ability. Keep leading. Keep collaborating. If there's ideas that you want to put to the table, put them on the table. Um, if there's things that you can do better or people can do better, be be that person. Show up and come up with ideas and solutions. And generally speaking, people are going to say, "Hey, what? Who's the who's the girl again that keeps coming up with the good ideas? What she think about this, right?" And then you start realizing mm-hmm. that you're ascending in influence. And sometimes we get those. The, 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 the promotion and the raise and the title is sometimes very different than the actual influence that you leave with people. And so I think sometimes the, 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 the curse could be that we throw our influence out when we don't get the title because we don't feel like we either have to or it's just we're kind of scorned by it.
2: Yeah, and one of the really interesting things that I heard in there, Mike, was you talked about um, you know one of the curses of getting a title is getting the big office, getting in that office, and then taking your foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. And David, I don't know how much you've seen in your experience. Um, I mean, we've seen that you know um, a multitude of times in, in what we do, but, but people have this, well, oh, I've made it moment. And throw their feet up yeah. on the desk, right? And I think great leadership never has that "I made it" moment. Um, you know, it's like uh, when you watch a documentary on on the SEAL teams, right? And how difficult it is to get into the SEAL teams. And basically, mm-hmm. all you did when you make that you know final roster for that squad, it gets harder because you're going to be involved in something yeah. that's elite and something, and you never get that foot off the gas moment. And I think it's important. You know, Mike makes a really good point there. Um, a title is a curse if it takes your foot off the gas.
0: Yes, I agree. And I'm, Mike, I think you have made a good point about the curse because it seems to come from almost like a misunderstanding of how leadership works when there are successive layers. When you have, call it the, the first layer, you have problems that you need to solve. Maybe some of the problems you can't solve. That goes to the next layer. For the next highest leader to solve, he or she has a set of problems. And if that doesn't get solved there, that goes to the next layer above. And so when you get a promotion, you're necessarily agreeing to work with problems that are more difficult than the problems that you had at your previous post. And if you're doing what Sean's saying and taking your foot off the gas, because you have the title, because you have the car, because you have the ability to tell everybody to take Friday off, yeah, that's a that's a huge curse.
1: Yeah, and, and a lot of that is, you know, we say often that comparison, you know, will just completely steal your joy, right? So we, mm-hmm. we look so often in life and we compare up, we don't compare laterally, we don't compare down, we don't reflect back on how far we've come. Um, but when you look at the lifestyle that most people, you know, at an executive level live, you just look at the good stuff, you know, so we kind of gravitate towards that and want that and um, not much of the uh, the behind the scenes, what you're talking about, David, where you've just gotten, you know, 10 emails worth of issues now passed up to you to deal with. Nobody's posting about mm-hmm. that, right? So, <laughs> so so people, you know, if you're just casually looking at, okay, what do, I had a guy um, recently asked me, he's interested in, it's kind of a long story, but interested in being, um, uh, shifting careers and going from maybe a more corporate job to a, a racing role, he would be an executive level. And he was like, you know, just trying to ask questions and feel it out. And he was like, what, you know, like, what does the president of a race team do? You know, and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm trying to explain, you know, and he was kind of like shocked, you know, by, by the details and how integrated, you know, that this president is, but I thought about it. If he looked around at the other presidents of race teams, he probably would think that it's a fairly laid back job, (laughs) but that's the, that's just the image they portray the lifestyle they live. And. You know, you see this kind of idea of, of where I'm headed and think that that's what it looks like. And you get there and think you can put your feet up. And then the the next da- dangerous part to me, like I said a little bit earlier, is just then that becomes your identity. You know, I, I am the president. I am the CEO. I am the founder, the owner. And that can be dangerous because, as all of us know, that can go away in a heartbeat. And then what are you beyond that? You know, how, how do you get back on the boat, you know, when everyone's looking at you, okay, what next? <laughs> you know? okay. If your identity was completely tied up in that title and that title no longer serves you or serves anyone else or has any currency, what's left, right? And that's why we're harping on like the impact has to be there. The influence has to be there. The connection to others has to be there. The attention to detail, foot on the gas, seeing around corners. So we just want to make sure that from my opinion, I just want to make sure that people have a very clear separation from title and then just who they
2: are showing up to work each day. And that's a great point, right? If you're, you're tethered to a, a certain title and it's taken away from you, it, it wipes out your identity, right? But what if you were tethered to people thinking you were kind, or that you're hard-working, or that you're a great coworker, right? And you talked about curses and blessings. You know, maybe speak a little bit into, you know, let's... What are some of the blessings?
1: I mean, we've all seen these, you know documentaries or movies where they're honoring these lifetime achievement awards for people that just did it the right way and 50 years of Mm -hmm. service. And I'm like, I want to be one of those people desperately. And I don't know if I will be or not. Right. It's, it's in the daily choices we make, but there's just an incredible sense of fulfillment. Um, you, when you get to intersect doing something that you're good at, being passionate about that thing, being authentic in who you are and then having just meaningful, you know, relationships along the way. And so, um, If we're all process and it's all about me, it's hard to have those meaningful relationships. Um, I know plenty of people that have plenty of money that have looked me in my eye recently and said, I am killing it. And I don't know that any of this makes me happy. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I I mean, I, I don't know what to do with the money I'm making right now, but I just it, it hasn't helped me sleep at night. Actually, I'm on medication. I have two therapists and, you know, and I'm like, I don't, I think that, I don't think that's it. You know, I think that's part of the curse. You know, you can get sucked into it so much.
0: Would you say a situation like that, that you described with that person who's unhappy, would you say that's one of the signs of being too identified with the title? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I would say, say so. It's um so much of, this young, young man's life is just kind of wrapped up and into the image that he feels that he has to portray being in the position Mm -hmm. that he's in. Um, And and so Mm -hmm. much of, you know, you kind of intersect that road over and over and over again. At at one point, you're not sure which way is right. You know, once you leave on the other side of it, Um, am I, am I me or am I my title? You know, Um, is a good question Mm -hmm. for, for any leader to ask.
0: So if you found somebody like that or somebody finds themselves in that position, what would you say to them if they, you know, maybe they suspect being a little too identified with their title and a little closer to the, your, your description of that, that title being a little bit of a curse? what would you say to them?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you didn't get there overnight. It's not going to be a quick fix. Right. Um, but Mm -hmm. you know, get a little bit of time away, start to kind of engage a little bit, maybe more deeply with people that would be either underneath you or in a completely different role and just start to, I don't know, maybe just fall in love with some of the other parts of the business that you may not interact with as much. Um, Trying to maybe disorient yourself a little bit from your normal routine and, uh, and just see what shows up, you know you're going to have to fight some things and you'll realize like, okay, I was pursuing this because it serves my title, my, not necessarily my team, maybe not even me, maybe not my family, uh, things like that. And so I think it's just a, a matter of just taking the time to kind of unplug away from it. Everybody that, that I've, like I said, I've several guys, you know, it's just kind of weird that we're talking about this. Um, they're just, they just, they're in this, like, just go, go, go thing all the time. And it's all work all the time. And that's it. You know, mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. thing would be just to just try to unplug, get away from it, see what shows up.
2: You know, and lastly, and I didn't want this to go unmentioned, I, I think one of the blessings too, Mike is with a title. Um, I think sometimes you don't realize what type of presence you have in the building, right? You CEO comes walking down there. There's an impact on the floor, right? It can change the energy of the floor. And I think one of the blessings is is if you do it the right way, you can impact people positively. And um, you know, I think so many people in leadership, you know, especially ones that w- with humility, don't realize that hey, you can make this person's day with a phone call, or you know, you know that that title, you can swing with that title and, and, and use it for good. So, um, no, I think it's uh, I think it's great, man.
0: Yeah, well, I- yeah, I think that's a good point. And you know, Mike, the therapist 101 says the opposite of identification is self, roughly. And really, I think what you're talking about is when somebody finds themselves too identified, it's almost like finding themselves and who they are and where the meaning is for them. And I realize I'm kind of adding or an interpretation of what you said, but would you, would you change that at all or would you add something to it? I think that,
1: again, just kind of going back to just some very specific examples that I'm thinking about, I would 100% say they've they've kind of lost their way a little bit. That's just a slippery ground when you wrap up who you are into what you do, right? I mm-hmm. think the opposite has to be true right like you need to know who you are first and then know who Mm -hmm. that person is and then what that person is capable of and then with that go do something brilliant you know if it's the other way around that sometimes works generally doesn't work for long and so um so much of leadership is exactly that. It is knowing, who, you know, who am I? Where am I? What am I feeling? What am I experiencing? What am I good at right now? What I, what do I need to learn? What do I need to unlearn? Um, and then how do those things impact me? How do those people impact the people that I want to do this with? And then how are they impacting our business, you know? And uh yeah, it, it know know thyself, right? Like that's old school. Just mm-hmm. Roman just common like know who you are. Right and and yeah. don't lose sight of that and don't get disoriented by all of the things that the world tells you you need to do or be to be a leader, because all those things are
0: inside of us. It's nothing external. Those are great thoughts. Definitely great thoughts. Mm. We're I think we're ready to move on to the uh, first runner-up in the charms looks influence department. Very close race, but Sean. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, it's a, it's a flat well, podium. There's no tears on it. It's just we're all on one stage. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, you know, look, we do this podcast because we want the people listening to lead. And in that leadership, we want you to be great. Um, mm-hmm. And we have established before that everything great in life lies on the other side of hard. And my mm-hmm. position on this is that I never want to see you lead with your title, let other people discover your greatness your achievement, right? Um, And it's hard to suppress the things we're proud of. Uh, You know, Mike and I uh, have a dear friend and um, really, really great guy, world-class human being. And he always starts off, yeah, I was a pro athlete. You know, we were at a conference, we were speaking down in Florida and a guy comes up to us, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm the CMO. Okay, yeah, cool, I don't give a shit, what's your name? You know what I mean? Like, like you know, I, I think there is so much more magic when someone in a position of power doesn't lead with that position of power. They lead with kindness. You know, they lead with you know how can I help you? That servant leadership piece, right? And then down the road, you find out, oh my gosh, he's the CEO or she's the CMO, or you, you know what I mean? And I think what that does is it denotes humility. Right. And often great leadership is wrapped up in humility. And I just, you know, oftentimes the really pleasant encounters that that we have had with people, it wasn't until much later that we realized they were the CEO or they were, you know, in a position that they could easily have shoehorned into the first conversation with us.
0: Can humility be too much sometimes?
2: Yeah, I think when humility becomes meek, I think it can, David. You know, I think um, you know when you're leading an organization, you know, you have to be bold, and you have to you know, but I don't think we need to beat our chests in every situation.
1: Is there times when leading with your title is helpful?
2: Yeah, I think it is. You know, I think you know, like like we just were talking about. I think um, when you can use your title for good, right? Like yeah. when you can use your title to move the ball on an initiative that you know you would have had no voice in before um you know, I, I think yeah, in a very petty way, I think it's great to be able to use your, you know, you lose you you keep your title lying in wait until you need it, right? I've used uh, I've used my Dartmouth degree many times like that, where people are like, "There's no way Sean P went to Dartmouth." That guy's an idiot, and then, and then you know you you break out uh, you, you break out the paper, right? It's Latin, I can't even read it, so they're not wrong, um, but I give them to think about. Um, but yeah, Mike, I, I do. I think. Um, but i think like david said you know a, a couple episodes back it's all kind of in the minutiae of how you move through the room and how you wield that power and and in some situations absolutely but but more often than not if you allow people to discover that part of you i think um i think their their respect for you certainly grows quicker than it would if you led with it yeah i, they're,
1: I think they're will it always be intimidating for the CEO to just walk up next to you and introduce himself? You know what I mean? Like, is there, for some reason we, I feel like we get intimidated by like people with big titles, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when it's an opportunity to just maybe connect and just like, Hey man, you know, how's your day going? Tell me what you're working on. Or uh, how long have you worked here? Um, does that kind of like help make those interactions easier or kind of just maybe add more humanity to that moment or, or is it, or does it matter?
2: No, I think, you know, I think, I think great leadership is disarming in a sense that like you never want to make someone feel, feel less than out of sorts. You know what I mean? I think, you know, I think again, it's knowing the room, right? I think there's a comfortability in, Knowing who you're going up to talk to, and you know, now with that being said, everyone within the building knows who the CEO is, right? So you're not gonna you're not gonna sneak up in a you know in a business and and um, you know someone's not gonna know you're the CEO. So you know, I guess what I'm saying is out and about. Um, but in your company, yeah, I think yes, yeah, sometimes it is. It's super intimidating to have the CEO. I mean, heck, we we ate lunch next to the owner today right? It changes the energy in the room. It just, that's, uh, um, without question.
0: Sean, could, could you summarize or could one summarize what you're talking about as almost like that level of awareness to be able to separate the, the job from the human in those interactions Mm -hmm. where, yes, I'm the CEO, but I kind of want to hear about your kid's birthday because I realized that was a big thing, and I heard it was a big party.
2: Absolutely, I think it's a great way to put it, David. You know, it, it's about finding common ground with someone. You know, and and, and like mm-hmm. I said, not allowing that title to, to to interrupt or or not even allow a conversation to begin, right? Because you're intimidated or whatever. So yeah, I think, you know, I think, you know, again, not allowing that title to to put you in, a, in, a, in a, a different tier where, you know, that, that organic or that authentic conversation can't flourish within the team.
0: Hmm. Okay. Hmm. I kind of have a follow-up about the CMO in Florida. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to ask you whether you hit him or not. But what I am going to ask is, let's say that I'm the CMO, that I'm the person that says that that's what I lead with, right? what would be your suggestion to do things differently? What would you say to Mr. or Ms. CMO? Th- think about think about introducing yourself a different way. What would you say to that?
2: Um, hey, Sean, my name is Rick. Um, really pleased to meet you. Uh, excited to get to know more about you. I mean, it could mm-hmm. be as simple as that. I, I mean, CMO doesn't even need to have to come come into the first conversation. Right.
0: What about to his or her employees, team members, co-workers?
2: I guess if you're in a spot where you're the brand new
0: CMO, yeah, I think,
2: um, you know. But but but, okay. Let's let's look at two examples. Let's say it's uh, let's call him Rick. All right, we're gonna introduce the new CMO today. Rick comes on stage. Hey everybody, I'm the new CMO. Um, my name's Rick. Uh, you know, I'll be uh, you know. Looking to do things better because the person uh, before me had staggering ineptitude, right? We'll call that person James. Um, What if instead he came on stage and said, hey, everyone, I'm thrilled to be here. My name is Rick. I'll be replacing James, um, and I'd be really interested in in your ideas on how we move this company forward. Everyone would know he's the CMO without him Mm -hmm. having to shove it down your throat right and again mm-hmm. it just dem- it denotes a, an element of humility that i think makes people feel comfortable right and if they're comfortable they're going to approach you and if you have dialogue with your company and you're a leader
0: you're doing it well yeah do you find that there's any negative repercussions of somebody finding out after you know a good period of time that you spent four years in Hanover.
2: Oh yeah, Jane all the time. Why didn't you tell me you went to Dartmouth? <laughs> and I just, I don't know, guys. I mean, you know, maybe I'm on the wrong side of this, but I struggle with that big time. You know what I mean? Like, I want. I remember my dad read me an article when I was really young, and it was about uh, Steve Iserman when he was the captain of the Detroit Red Wings, and he was being interviewed for a hockey magazine, and the reporter, I'll never forget this the reporter asked him hey what kind of car do you drive and he's like oh I'm driving like a I drive like an 86 Pontiac and the reporter says well actually I heard that you have a a very rare Porsche or one of one of 80 Porsche whatever Mm -hmm. and Eisman's reply to him was oh I do but you asked me what I was driving and it's December in Detroit so I'm driving an 86 Pontiac you know what I mean he didn't lead with the Porsche he totally could have right and when I Mm -hmm. I've never Mm -hmm. forgot that story and and um it's such a small thing, but I, it, it really impacted me. And I, like I said, I I love finding out things about people that they don't tell me, right? Especially like these magical accomplishments. Um, yeah, I just uh, I think there's magic in that. So now that the magic has run out, I think.
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the only thing, the other thing I was going to say is like, you know, how how long do you wait for things? Cause, you know, because some things maybe. It could be an asset or it could maybe a value add that people don't know is on your resume or something like that. You know, how long do you wait for, for some of this stuff?
2: I think, you know, I think opportune times present themselves all the time. And, you know, and again, that's part of the finesse of leadership is knowing that, okay, now it, it's important that they know this, right. Mm-hmm. Or they find out this about me or, you know, you could, you could even lead a person to finding out for themselves. Right. I think there's a bunch of different ways to do that. So
0: yeah cool. and if there's a benefit for all attached correct it's got to be part of that equation correct. So, you know situational and I would think when it comes to title and achievement and whatnot, I would imagine you'd suggest something like being contextual in your approach, even if it's with a coworker that you talk to six times a day in instead of going down the route, i imagine this is what you're suggesting in, instead of going down the route of well, of course, this is my decision to approve or disapprove. Finding out what that person is trying to figure out or decide or do and really saying out loud whether you're able to help or not help or, you know, offering some sort of support instead of reminding, like, look, when this is all said and done, this is going to come across my desk and I either sign it or I throw it away. That's what you're saying in a way, too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So they know, like, again, they they
2: you're not minimizing your impact or your importance, right? It's just a matter of how you are, you're using that within the company.
0: Yeah, I think that makes yeah. sense. I think it makes a lot
2: of sense. Well, yeah. So, David, you're welcome. That's going to be pretty easy to follow.
0: So, um... <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. It's time to move on to last place. Um, <laughs> and my my thought or idea behind why you don't need a title to be a leader is that the unofficial org chart in a business determines just as much, if not more, how well it runs compared to the official org chart. And we all know that we all know what an org chart looks like. There's colors and lines and the really super important people have bold and their picture. And then, they get to control everything below. But we also know that it doesn't really happen that way all the time. And, you know, the logical question is like, why doesn't it happen? And, and how does it not happen that way? We can use sort of like the military as an example where people's jobs and their role as leaders are sewn onto their shirts. Sean, because you have this certain patch on your shirt, you get to decide what time I have to show up tomorrow morning or whether I'm going to do this or not do this. But even in the military, especially when they get into combat, and I say they because I'm a civilian, you often see that the experienced sergeant has more influence and sway over a unit, say a platoon, than a new first lieutenant even though the first lieutenant is the one technically in charge. And then at the other end of the example, or the other end of the scale for this example, we have prison culture, where, ironically, everybody's clothes are exactly the same, and yet there's a pecking order, and there's people who have influence, and they get certain things and deny other people certain things by virtue of something other than an official org chart. So... I think when we look at the official org chart, it's quite straightforward. I'm the executive vice president, so I get to tell the senior vice president that they have to do the report over the weekend. But the unofficial org chart works on a lot of these ethical principles that we're talking about because I think it reflects how human beings connect to each other. It's caring, it's being able to share certain values, supporting people, kindness, empathy, sympathy even sometimes. And that's what really gives people, whether you want to call it power or influence or the ability to affect change, those principles are what gives somebody who doesn't have the title that they want or that they need or they think they need to be able to affect real change and and help people. So to lead in that scenario when you don't have the title that you want or that you think that you need, if you have kindness and empathy and you share values and you can connect with people and you support them, you get to make changes. You get to slow down changes that may not work so well. You can help guide others, you can support them, you can support the team, you can stand by somebody when they're struggling or they need something. And you can actually just be a good example. Yeah. You know, being dependable and being consistent is, in a lot of ways, a form of leadership, I think. And, you know, there are limits to what you can do. You can't get so much unofficial influence that you get to, you know, give people raises if that's not in your title. Yep. But at the same time, there are real hard limits to the official org chart, because even though you're officially in charge, if it's a really bad idea, think of the, the platoon. Well, they're not going to put their lives at risks just because you're the first lieutenant.
2: Yeah, I, I love this point, David. Like when we were talking the pre-show and, and this was going to be your point, I think this is a very real thing. Right. And and the thing it made me think of right off the hop was, um, you know, like the 2016 NFL draft, right? Jared Goff goes first overall. And then what happens five years later? They redraft the 2016 NFL draft. Jared Goff would not have been the first person taken, right? And that, that's what this is, right? It's this org chart that is supposed to be the official and the way, you know, power is distributed through a company. But like we talked about with Mike, you know, you have people that get a title and then just put you know take their foot off the gas, and there's three people that outwork them, blow them. Those are going to be your go to people, right? The people that come through for you all the time, just like your military example, um, and that's how that thing builds out organically. And you're absolutely right. It's it's something that lives within
0: that org chart, but is not that org chart. Yeah, and I think. Not to be unclear, we need both, yeah right yeah. we need we need the respect for the experience, and we need to function, call it practically because of the the patches on our shirts, yeah roughly and so i'm not I'm not saying that the unofficial one is more important, and the official one should be thrown out, but why? You don't need a title to be a leader is because an awful lot of what defines a leader in my mind doesn't necessarily have to do with the business given permissions that you can hold sway over other people.
1: Yeah. T- I'm, in my head, visually, I'm looking at an official org chart and to me, that's kind of like bones. And then the unofficial charts like muscle and tendons, right? And it takes the muscle and tendons to move the bones, right? And so, in and to your point, you can't, I mean, you have to have both. Both are incredibly important for the success of the organization. So, you know, it's sometimes it's easier to take pride in the official chart, but I think we're here to tell you that the unofficial chart... It's just where the magic happens. That's just the reality of it, right? I mean, we've all been at the table where or the people that got pointed to when a big decision got made and they're looking at me and I'm like, I'm I'm like the... Definitely the lowest paid in this room. And (laughs) and, and definitely like the 10th, you know, like the lowest, you know, on the pecking order. But they're asking me like, what should we do? You know, Sean, I've been there when this happened to Sean, David, I'm sure you've been there. And I know you have probably several stories you could share about that
0: that's a great time to ask for a
1: raise (laughs) on the spot. I
0: can answer that question, but I think there's a zero missing from my paycheck. Just as long as we can clear that up, then we can keep going.
1: And sometimes that's the hard part, right? And and that's why people get kind of torn on some of this stuff. And I've been there. I'm like, what? These guys roll in at, 10 I'm here at 7 you know they roll out and I'm still here and then when this stuff goes sideways I'm the one that's on the hook for it you know I have to be the one to come up with the creative solution you know it you, you can very easily be jaded or frustrated by that um but what I, I've learned I would say
0: good you're the one that comes up with the solution good
1: exactly like you you are getting Life is giving you repetitions of things that are preparing you for when you actually are that title person leader. You know, today's leaders are tomorrow's CEOs. Right. I really, really believe that. And so don't not take advantage of those moments just because you don't have the title or because you don't have the, the salary just yet. Like be, be the person that you you want to, you know, like you, if you think that the leader could be doing more, be that person, you know, take those steps to get there and it'll happen. David, my question to you is
2: where, or actually why, why do you think that org chart starts out as this iteration and then organically moves to something else? Right? They're close, but they're not the same. What causes that?
0: I almost feel like I want to judo that question into something slightly different because when a group organizes, And even think about like middle school kids playing sandlot football and they figure out how they're going to organize. There's an awful lot of what we're calling the unofficial that determines who the leaders are, who the, who the sergeants are, you know, who the soldiers are like, I, yes, I'm mixing up all the analogies, (laughs) but if those kids organize themselves into a team or uh, two teams that play against each other. And then you walk up and somebody says to you, hey, Sean, can you just write out what's happening here? You would write out something that looks like an an official org chart. Mm -hmm. And it's not that your org chart is wrong. And to some extent, we're brushing up against the limit of, Like human capacity, because I think we've all seen these animated 3D models of what real time unofficial organization is, and it's like influencers and followers, and you know, this is all within a big department. But even that is quite limited because it's historical. And so, I don't think that the official org chart morphs into something else. I think that the official org chart is a kid's drawing of a sunset. (laughs) And it's not wrong. And it may be like, it may be the best eight year old drawing in the history of man. And it may be also beautiful in and of itself, but you're almost at that Louis CK moment where his daughter shows him a picture and he's like, this doesn't look like a dog. Show me a dog that looks like this and I'll give you a (laughs) $1,000, right? So when Mike was talking, it suddenly came to me that the best use of your official title is to give you the most leverage over the unofficial way things work. Hmm. Great.
2: Great way to put it. Yeah. Wow.
0: When I talk to people who are organizing companies an awful lot of times there's Jeff gets to be head of this department because he's been here the longest and he is an MBA and you know, this kind of thing. But if you watch the department for extended period of time, sometimes like 10 minutes, Jeff shouldn't be running the department. It should be Brenda. Brenda should be running the department because she has the ability to use that title to do the most good for the department, the business and probably the, personally the people in it. And so that's where the, that's where the rub comes from. And I think if, if you're a leader and you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I know that things work unofficially, and I also know that I've organized it in a certain way, You know, part of your job is to figure out those differences because there always will be differences. And should you make changes in the official? Should you encourage you know, part of the unofficial and try to figure out how to make that work the best for the business so that nobody falls through the cracks or no goals fall through the cracks. Yeah. I realize that's a really long answer, but that's kind of what came up. But I, I
1: think you're onto something there uh, with acknowledging that, you know, um, I think... A lot of people will kind of dismiss that. Oh yeah, that's just you know they're kind of taking some liberties and running with some stuff. But you know they're you know I'm I'm the one that calls the shots around here. It's like eh, yes by title yeah. But if they're if if you got another group that's doing a good job, hey. Get, round of applause. Thank you. Like let's let's when it's time for contracts, let's revisit your position and title in this company. But I think acknowledging that goes a long way and it keeps them going. Like we talk all the time about inspiring human brilliance. It's so easy to just get burned out when you feel like, hey, I'm carrying a lot of load that I'm not responsible for. But if it's acknowledged, um, generally speaking, people keep going. And that's what we want. Right. Like we want we want great efforts. Right. Regardless of if you're the first in the building, or if you're the one on the very top, like everyone has to contribute. And if we're all brilliant, we'll continue to drive leadership and performance in a powerful way.
0: Could I summarize what you were saying about observing people who work well together as using that observation to possibly consider giving them different roles or different titles so that they can do more of what is turning out well?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you see, to and I don't know, I mean, just my opinion, and maybe you guys think differently about it, but when we see good, good efforts, great efforts, we want to reward that because kind of going back to culture building, people are going to repeat what's rewarded, right? So if mm-hmm. other groups are, if there's a group that's just, it, maybe it's not their deal, but for whatever reason, they've just owned some part of the business and they're crushing it, and they get rewarded for that, and that's acknowledged, the likelihood of another group or more people in that initial group stepping up will happen because they will think, okay, this is a good thing. This is what we reward here. This is our culture. This is what, just what we do. We overachieve. We push beyond. If, if there's this much, we're going to maximize that. And, and that's what great companies are. It's a, it's a, a chart, official and unofficial, full of people
0: that are just maximizing results mm. that brings us to the end of the third half of our show and maybe we can third half. maybe we can sign off with practical tip or two yeah. from from each of us yeah. obviously winner goes first
1: i think that i you know that identity piece uh make sure we, we're not so wrapped up in our title that it becomes who we are we have to be able to exist outside of that be able to put that title hat to the side sometimes and just sometimes the process business title decision is sometimes very different than the human decision and so there has to be a wisdom to know which when to do which right there has to be a wisdom to know like all right this might not be I mean I talked to a guy who was I talking to But anyway, this is a guy who's a GM of a big company and was saying at one point there is something I think we talked about this last time where he cried like a baby because he made a decision to uh, that he knew was going to indebt him at a very like it was going to be a bad decision basically for the organization. But it was going to save them financially in the moment. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like if you're the title of GM and I have to you know, I, you know, we, we, we gotta make this Q1 work, you know, this is a way to do it. Then you may do that. If your identity is wrapped up in that and you get to float your, uh, you know, boat, you know, your yacht and your, you know, house in the Hamptons for another quarter. Yeah. That's, you might do it. But if it's like the human decision here is that this is going to be a horrible deal for the 5,000 people that work here. That's a different conversation, right? So um, I just make sure that our title is, does not become our identity. Um, ask for feedback. You know, ask like, hey, do if, if, am I consumed by this position? You know, for to your direct reports, <laughs> like, do we, do I bring up family members? Do I bring up other things that have nothing to do with work ever? And how do I speak about those things when I do bring them up? And then just lastly, for those that are the, the, the leaders, the muscle of the organization unofficially um, keep going. You know, it might seem like no one's noticing, but it may not be for the job you're in now. It
0: might be for the next one, but keep going. Yeah. Those are all great points. And, and we can see why you, you're first place. (laughs) And if we go to, if we go to second place, only because of the French judge, (laughs) you know, put in a protest vote, Sean, do you have any practical tips from your, set of thoughts I do
2: and second place in NASCAR means absolutely nothing so if we could just if you call me the silver medalist I would prefer that if you don't mind Um, at least I have something tangible to take home Uh, I want to close with just saying titles are for books right let people discover you doing great things and uh, allow that humility to build relationships in your team
0: yeah I think that's that's a really good thing to remember I have only one And that is if you're in a leadership position, whether you're at the top of the official org chart or you're somewhere where you only have a few people reporting to you, really hone in on your self-awareness to find out where you are as a leader, officially and unofficially. How does your unofficial connection, influence, support Compared to your official title and what can you do to be the best where you are? And I think knowing the combination of what you can do officially in a practical sense mm-hmm. and also what you can do unofficially will really help you the most. And it'll help the people around you. Mm. Mic drop.
1: Boom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so listen we really appreciate you guys listening please let us know what you think of the new format the voting for places is complete so that can't be changed but we think this works out pretty well and we are looking forward to talking to you again next week thank you everyone thanks everyone see you next time
2: go and be great thank you